from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Man, you're a handsome guy, Larson. Geez, oh. I got I got to get I got to get more people like you on video. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That made my day. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, man, I got to get some more good-looking people on the show. <laughs> Larson Stare on the Rider Flex podcast. How you doing, Larson? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How you doing today, Steve? I'm doing good. You in Boulder today? I'm actually in downtown Denver today. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you live in Denver or Boulder? I live in Denver. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we did some commuting up to uh, Boulder during the Techstars program in spring of 2020, uh, but we spent most of our time in Denver. Gotcha. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into business. I, I don't. I, are you from Wisconsin, or did you just go to school there? But anyway, give me some early family stuff and yeah. walk me through some college years. Go for it. Certainly. Yeah. I am a Wisconsin native, so I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, spent, you know, the first, you know, 18 years of life there, and then went to, was accepted into UW-Madison. So I spent the next four-ish years uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I actually, I went to school, I was pre-med. That's what I went to school for. I saw uh, that. Yeah. So I went to school for clinical laboratory science uh, and wanted to go to medical school. And so... Kind of went through that, graduated, got all that done, and ironically enough, uh, started a business in my senior year of college, mm. and decided that you know what, I don't think I want to go to medical school. I think I, I'm better fit for sales, and I think I'm better fit for I want to go into software actually. Uh, and so that's kind of some of the earlier stuff, uh, which we can certainly loop back to. <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me ask you about your parents and uh, yeah. any siblings real quick. I just want to know about that before I go yeah. further down that that whole med school. <laughs> transition to entrepreneur tell me about your folks what did your mom and dad do yeah so my dad was a an an engineer uh he worked for harley davidson uh so oh really oh well let's just take let's just take a pause right there i mean how many kids grow up being able to say my dad works for harley davidson i mean that's pretty cool very few very few and even cooler was he got a new bike every year so, so he got to trade him out. And so he was riding the, the, the best new bike ever used every single year, which is pretty cool. Nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what'd your mom do? My mom's a social worker. So she works with okay. uh, terminally ill cancer patients and has worked in the ER for quite some time. So she works with kind of that sector of healthcare. Wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, see, I just picked up on two things here, right? So I know you do all this. I know you do all the skydiving and all this stuff, right? <laughs> Okay, so the, the whole thrill factor, kind of wild side, kind of like I'm a little bit of a rebel. That probably comes from your dad because he was a Harley guy. And then you got the med side from your mom, right? Because she grew up helping mm-hmm. people and you're like, I, I might want to go to med school. So I see a blend of both of them in you already. I, I certainly agree. And my mom's really empathetic. You have to be in that type of industry. So I hope that I embody at least a fraction of what she does. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, she must have. I mean, she's got to be super patient person too, oh, right? Yeah. Like, she's an angel. Wow. She's great. Yeah. I mean, you got a heart of gold to be able to do that line of work, right? I mean, I, I don't know how she does it sometimes. I mean, some of the stories that I hear and, you know, but I think she really, she's really good at it. Though. It's a really tough time for her patients and um, she's really good at it. And just about the time she starts to get close to people, then they pass away as well, right? Yeah, that's, that's it's really tough, but. And I have to imagine it takes a big toll on her, but 
you know, some people are really well suited for that. And she's one of those people. Mm, okay. Are they still married? They are. Yeah. Lifelong. Are they lifelong Packer fans? Do they have like tickets to the game? <laughs> they are. My parents are more Badger fans though. Uh, they had, this is why going to Madison was a huge deal for me. I've been going to game sales five. I, uh, really, really yeah. cool. Cool. Oh, yeah. wow. So they have, they have season tickets. They do. Yep. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very so we've been cool. going to Badger games for quite some time and they're showing up there every Saturday when I went to school there. They parked in our yard and tailgate with us and all that stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Are you serious? Is, was your dad one of those guys that pop open a beer with all the fellas? Was, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, like your, I, I like your parents. They sound really cool. Did you have any siblings? I do. Yeah. I have a younger brother who's about four years younger than me. Um, okay. He works as a physical therapist with uh, quadriplegics and paraplegics. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. So yeah. your parents got to be pretty proud, right? Uh, of, of both sons. All right. Now, did you pick on him? Were you like one of those big brothers that kind of like, uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but you know, he was bigger than me in our later high school years. So we're both six, three. Uh, he's probably got 20, 30 pounds on me though. And, uh, he was a, he's a big guy. He's pretty good at football too. So like, I don't, I don't mess with him. I'm good. You know, I don't want to, I don't need to get any <laughs> Uh, I was going to I was going to say, if you're six, three, you guys were probably athletes in high school, huh? Played some sports. Yeah. My brother was certainly better than I was. Uh, it was more of the academic route we'll say, but I certainly played football, played tennis, played a whole slew of things, just like my brother did. When you went to Madison, did you go on a full ride? No, no, no. no just no. all just paid, paid my way. I paid, uh, no full rides for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wish. All right. So, 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 so you go into school thinking you want to be a doctor. And then, and then you, you do some shadowing and some stuff where you're, you're, you're like around doctors, you're in the hospital, you're doing all this stuff. Well, what clicked for you? Did somebody, did somebody like pull you aside? Did you have like an advisor or an early mentor that was like, Hey, Hey bro, like you should be in sales, not, not a doctor. Like how'd that happen? Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of the most, so I spent probably three and a half years in the ER uh, so I worked as a medical scribe. So I basically followed doctors around with a laptop and took all their notes for them. So I did wow, that for okay. many, many years. And I was, I really, I liked the ER cause a, it was really exciting. It's really, it changes up quite a bit. Um, but the ironic part is almost all the doctors that I really respected and liked a lot were convincing me not to go to medical school. Why? Um, you know, I think a lot of them were just like medicine is changing. Um, we have less control now because of what healthcare is, you know, changes in healthcare that are happening. And it was just less enjoyable for them. And the ER too has a fairly high burnout rate. I think about average, average is about seven years of a career there um, before they burn out. Because I could see that. I, I could see that. Okay. All right. So you had, you had a few of them in your ear telling you, Hey man, don't do this. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then kind of what happened there is, um, so I was, I was a pre-medical student uh, working as a scribe for doctors and I was getting paid for it. It was like getting paid to shadow and it was helping my resume. Okay. And I was like, well, this is a good business here. Like doctors get paid three, $400 an hour. I could pay a medical student $7 an hour, $8 an hour, and they could take all the notes. And so this business idea came up where I was like, what if I just had a staffing business? I could just hire pre-med students, sell it to doctors in the ER and then train them myself because I know how to train people. And like, that's kind of where I kind of explored business a little bit, I kind see. of utilizing that knowledge there. Now, uh, where, so that's what started it. Where did this entrepreneurial bug come from? Like, how did that, 
how'd that manifest in there? Because neither one of your parents were an entrepreneur. So were you hanging around some some friends that were entrepreneurs? How'd this happen? That's a I don't know. It's a really good question. Like, um, okay. I mean, right. it was just kind of brought to me. And then I was like, I just kept, you know, just exploring. I think that's what a lot of the beginning phases of entrepreneurship is, is like, mm -hmm. I have an idea that I think could work. Okay, mm -hmm. let me just kind of work through these problems. And then it becomes easier and easier and the vision becomes more clear which is kind okay. of what happened to me. Um, okay. I didn't really have any early stage mentors at that point in time. Okay. So you started this little business. I mean, this would, you filed for like an LLC. This was a real entity. Okay. Yeah, I had <laughs> investors. I did the whole thing. Yeah. Why investors? Oh, so you raised cash back then. I didn't, I didn't know you raised cash that early. Oh, well, tell me how small. much, how much did, how much did you raise? A whopping $15,000. <laughs> hey man. I mean, that's great experience though. How old were you? Yeah. I, I was 21 years old. Yeah. I was in my senior year of college. Senior year of college, you must have told your friends, like, I just raised $15,000. <laughs> well, crazy enough, it was from my boss at the time. So I went to my boss and I was like, hey, man, wow. do you want to start a business with me? How and about that? There we go. Okay. So was this your full-time job or were you still doing the other gig? No, I was still, well, it was, uh, I was still a student. So I was in my senior year uh, of college, had my right. medical school applications in. I was still working the other job. And then we were working this one to try to get this up and running and going. Well, you busy guy. Did you have relationships at that time, that time as well? Girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, what, what, uh, what did you, were you involved or? <laughs> no, not at that time. No, no girlfriends at that time. Uh, it was a, you know, senior year of college, right? It was kind of, we'll see where we go after this. So no time <laughs> yeah. <for> <laughs> okay. All right. So you're having fun. You're a senior in college. You're a busy guy. All right. So what happened? It, it lasted two years. What did you close yeah. it, sell it? What happened? We failed. Wow. We failed at it. <laughs> you ran out of cash? Not, I mean, we didn't really, we didn't really have a lot of expenses, honestly. Um, the problem was, is I didn't know how to sell. Okay. I was relying on my, my business partners. Like I was going to be the training and implementation person and my business partners were going to be the salespeople. And mm. I didn't know how to sell, didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And we had the wrong people selling it. I should have learned how to sell myself and kind of taken it as CEO. Um, but that's kind of where we fell short is we didn't really make any traction on the sales front and ran into a few roadblocks there. Let's just take a pause right there for the listeners. I don't care how good your idea is. I don't care how great your service is. I don't care how good your product is. If somebody ain't out there knocking on doors, selling it, bringing in cash, game over. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's the bottom line. I, I don't know any other way to put it. You know, I, I say that all the time, even at, even at Riderflex, we, we, we live and die by the contracts we bring in. Now, the recruiters that, that do the work have to do a good job once we get the contracts. But the seed that makes the plant grow is the sales. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. got to get the contracts, get the deals. Okay. So great learning lesson for you. So then what you closed up shop and you're like, okay, I guess I'll go get a regular job here. Is that what happened? Got to get a sales gig. That's what I was, I was like. Okay. I need to learn how to sell. So where can I go do that? Now, did you specifically, I want to pause you right there. It's easy for you to say, I think now, but in the moment, were you saying to yourself, I'm going to get a job to learn how to sell, to restart another business? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. All right. You had some and, early vision there. Early vision. Yeah. Great for you. yeah well, and it was, it was, fairly easy for, for me at the time. So my actual co-founder now I went to college with. Okay. And so he okay. and I said 10 years ago that we wanted to start a business together. We wanted to start a software company. He didn't know how to code and I didn't know how to sell. And so we took the next 10 years and, and learned that. And so 
it was quite literally like a 10 year mission for us to get to this spot that I'm at today. Uh, we set it years ago uh, and had to build the skills to get here. So let me, uh, I'm just having a vision here. So you're working a couple of different sales jobs here, selling some hearing aids and different things. And so you're, you're in these sales gigs, some years are going by your buddy's working for a company writing code, basically. Yep. Is that what, is that what he's doing? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. And then you guys are uh, getting together for happy hour from time to time and talking about the dream and, and thinking mm -hmm. of it, you're writing some plans out. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay, good. Now, anybody married at this point? Anybody have any kids, anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, back, so my co-founder got uh, married, I think the year after we uh, graduated, I think it was 2013 is when he got married. Uh, we graduated in 2012. All right. Um, so no kids at that point in time when we graduated, no, you know, no wives or uh, no girlfriends um, or Jack had a girlfriend, but uh, a fiance rather, but not my son. Okay. All right. I was wondering how, you know, because the reason I asked that question is because if you're in a regular job and you're meeting your buddy for happy hour saying, let's start a business, bro. You know, sometimes uh, if you're married with kids, it's like, uh, well, I don't know. I got this giant mortgage. Plus I just bought this car and I kind of need yeah. to keep my regular job. Okay. So I was just trying to weigh out your, your, your risk factors there. Um, mm -hmm. All right. All right. So you're moving along and you're working these jobs and, Tell me what happens. How did you, you're at, I think you're at BirdEye, a company yeah. called BirdEye. And yeah. at some point you call your buddy and you're like, all right, man, I'm ready. Let's do this. Or right, talk to me. Yeah. So, you know, to your point is throughout the years, there's a lot of happy hours, a lot of failed ideas. We went through business ideas after business ideas, prototypes. Like there were many businesses before DemoFlow. Uh, so we had a practice. I mean, that's the whole thing, wow. right? You get all a little right. bit further every, every time you go. Business ideas or like entities you actually filed for and tried to start? Business ideas. And we got smarter to build the prototypes before filing. Because okay. we're like, let's, let's do some testing here. Let's see if there's actually some validity to this. Okay. Um, so we just got a little bit more curated in our building approach. Um, but, you know, when the idea for DemoFlow came to me is I made the transition from hearing aid sales into software sales. Started as an SDR at BirdEye um, and had a, a pretty quick rise at that company. And I moved into a pre-sales solutions consulting role where I was doing demos for the enterprise organization. Okay. And that's kind of where the idea came from me. I was just like, man, I have all these colleagues. Everyone presents differently. We're presenting the same product and we know who we're presenting to. Mm. Why is there so much misalignment here? Why are we not mm -hmm. saying the same things? Mm. And so, mm. you know, we really sought to build a platform that can bring some consistency to these kind of live sales interactions or live presentation interactions. So you called, your, you called your buddy and you said, I got an idea. I need you to write the code for it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's one of my best friends in the world. So like, he's like, this sounds great, man. Let's, let's see if we can do it. Okay. All right. And then at what point do you go all in? I'm assuming you're both all in at this point and not working any other gigs. Yep. Um, at what point did you make that leap? What was the, uh, the, the pivot point there where you said, okay, hey, let's quit our jobs and do this. When, how did that happen? Yeah, that's like, honestly, the most terrifying moment is like, you know, we're quitting our jobs. We're like, this is all on us now. Right. Um, but we, we had some, we had some help. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be accepted into the Techstars Boulder Accelerator program. Okay. Um, so we went through that, we got accepted in uh, uh, November of 2019. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. 
so. so that's when so so you waited so you applied you were both still working you get accepted boom you quit yep pretty much yeah was that was that scary the day you walked in and talked to your boss and you said hey man i'm i'm, I'm quitting <laughs> it, was it was exciting like i've just known that this is what i'm supposed to do so it's like hey this is gonna it's gonna be fine now for the for the listeners can you educate them so when you did that you get accepted to tech stars it's like a what is it like a three-month course pretty hardcore you need to be yep. there all the time you can't really work a full-time job and do it right i don't think no, um no. but how do you live and eat and pay the bills do they give you a little cash up front how do you do that yeah so tech stars has an amazing offer um where they you can do they do a straight equity deal of twenty thousand for six percent, which is all just public, and they'll also do another hundred thousand of investment on top of that, okay. uh, which is optional. And so Jack and myself, you know, decided to take that to a give ourselves some livelihood for the future, and we yeah. make sure we can actually go through that program and then expand. Okay. Okay. So they so they got more than six percent then. If I'm if I'm adding things up right, they did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was a convertible note on the hundred, but yeah. Exactly okay, so so that's how you uh, survived, uh, so to speak, with some cash. That got you going. All right. Yep. Wow, what a weird time to get accepted into TechStars, right? What did you get? Was the class supposed to start in March of 2020 or something like that? Well, it actually started in like late January, so we were halfway oh, okay. through program. Halfway through. Yeah, when it went remote. So <laughs> right. person, half was remote. Uh, for the listeners, by the way, we're recording this on February 9th, 2021, and he and, and Larson is talking about how he, he went into Techstars right at the beginning of uh, COVID and the pandemic. Okay, so man, that was probably weird, right? I mean, damn. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, remember when we thought it was only gonna be two weeks, that, that was just gonna be done in two weeks? Yeah, I remember that time. <laughs> You had to be, I mean, were there a few nights like, you know, remember when we were getting those alerts on our phones, like stay home. Oh my God. Remember mm -hmm. those. So it, it, right about there, were you, there had to be a few nights where you're thinking, holy shit, I quit my job. We're trying to start a business in the worst possible time. And like, I don't even know, is the world coming to an end or like, well, what's going to happen here? Would there... <laughs> yeah. And to make matters worse is I need to go fundraise now. And right. I need to go, yeah, yeah. I need to go raise some capital, uh, <laughs> which is like, okay, this is, I've never done this before. So let's do it in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see that. Uh, hey guys, um, listen, um, we've never, you know, uh, we, this, this product is not proven. Um, we don't have any revenue. Um, yeah. And I know it's, I know COVID is here and we have no idea where the world's going, but can you guys like give us some cash? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was certainly a challenge, no doubt. <laughs> who taught you how to uh, pitch? I guess Techstars teaches you how to pitch and, and you get your decks ready and how to, oh, ask yeah. people, how to ask people to write checks, right? Certainly. Yeah, they do an excellent job of a, not only preparing you for how to pitch, the deck preparation, but also the yeah. investor network. They okay. were you know, single-handedly one of the biggest influences on us getting the funding done. Um, so they were super helpful. Now, when, when you went to pitch, um, was the product... Mm -hmm. I guess it was, was it still in what you call beta or was it like ready to sell? Was it ready to take the market? Where were you at in the, in the lifespan of the company when you were asking for investment, I guess is the question. Yeah. So we were fairly early, like we were in the marketplace, we were selling it, but we're like in our early adopter phase, like okay. where people could pay us, it was a nominal fee, uh, but we still needed to build out quite a bit more and had a, a long, a lot of product to continue to build before it was like, ready for mass market adoption really so you were going to 
uh, clients or customers or whatever saying, hey, listen, we don't really have, this is not a fully baked model, but if you guys want to try it, we'll, we'll let you have it for super cheap and then you can give us some feedback. Certainly. Yep. Is that how, is that how it worked? Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Really good on the uh, early side. Right now would probably be a great time for you to give us the three minute elevator pitch of demo flow for, yeah. for the folks that have no idea what we're talking about. Go ahead. Give it to us. Certainly. So at DemoFlow, we really help software sales organizations create a more captivating presentation. The whole purpose is how do we make a better connection with the recipient on the other end, that audience member? And for them, I mean, they're, they're looking at back-to-back -back solutions all day, every day. And so how do you really make a genuine connection and you know, captivate someone's attention and differentiate yourself from the rest? And so our solution allows an organization to create standard presentations that the reps can come in, say the right things, walk through the right, uh, you know, slide decks, actual, you know, uh, platform URLs of presenting their software, all the while giving them a place to take notes, push it back to CRM, send follow-up items. Think of it as a, a, a sales platform for preparation, the live presentation, and then follow-up after the fact for really mm. all of your sales meetings. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Does it tie in? I guess it ties into like Salesforce and Google, Gmail, or does it tie to everything? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we're getting there. So Salesforce, G Suite, Office 365, Box, Dropbox, Drive, OneDrive, SharePoint, Zoom, a whole slew of different applications that most sales reps are using on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, so walk me through this. I want to ask you how this would apply to my own world then. Maybe really? I can get a better feel for it. Yeah. So Right now at, at Riderflex, so we use HubSpot, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for sales. We use Google Drive for storing a bunch of stuff. Yep. Uh, you know, and Gmail. Mm -hmm. um, I use Evernote for my daily kind of planning and so mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. um, we use uh, attachments, you know, contract agreements and mm -hmm. Uh, decks and things that we send via email when we're mm -hmm. pitching. Yep. So how would that, uh, tell me what it does for me. How would it, how would yeah. it uh, walk me through some, uh, you know, an example there. Go Certainly. Ahead. So, um, you know, with a static slide deck right now, what you have are just slides, right? You can't mm -hmm. put in uh, a video, for example, of Rider Flex and a previous podcast. You can't, you can embed it into a PowerPoint slide, but it's not full screen. I couldn't go to Riderflex's website from a deck, right? Mm, so mm. think of like PowerPoint on steroids. So you have your PowerPoint slide deck, but you can insert browsers at any junction as a slide. Okay. So you could move from a PowerPoint slide deck to the Riderflex website, to a customer video, to you know an intake form for you know you know this that or the other. So it just gives you more uh, you know types of content that you could be presenting on a call. Uh, and give you the ability to pull that in dynamically if you need to. It sounds like you're all you're kind of solving the salesperson's problem of fumbling through different things, opening and closing. And okay, now I'm gonna. Okay, yeah. uh, all right, all right, yeah. very good. Is it is it targeted? Is your is your target client? I guess you call them clients. Is your target client tech companies, software companies, or are you gonna are you gonna venture out past that? What you talk to me yeah. about that. Well, what I know best is software and tech companies. But okay. that said, to your point is the pandemic has forced everybody remote. So, mm. every, you mm. know, people can't sell in person anymore. They're developing new strategies to communicate and present over Zoom 
or other screen share platforms. Mm -hmm. And so there are other markets out there that it really applies towards. We're staying focused on kind of the B2B SaaS space initially, um, but there are certainly applications and customers outside of that. By the way, for the listeners, demoflow.io, demoflow.io. Okay, where are you at with uh, clients? I mean, have you signed up 100, 50, 1,000, five? <laughs> uh, I don't know what you want to share. Yeah, we're just shy of about 40 customers to date right now. Um, okay. And, and we're getting into bigger and bigger customers. So uh, none that are closed quite yet, but or I could disclose, but there are big, big organizations that are coming on board. It's a really exciting that, you know, have hundreds of reps and will really get a lot of value out of the platform. What was more exciting, getting the first big check written from an investor or closing your first contract with a real paying customer? Uh, probably the latter, a paying customer. Like, you know, yeah. anyone can give you money, but to, to justify the value of something that you've created from nothing, like that is really special. It, it is, isn't it? I mean, it when is. you... I'll never forget my partner and I, we actually uh, took the check from the first customer who paid us the deposit to do a search, our very first search. Mm -hmm. And we're standing down at the bank, you know, with the, with the check and, you know, yeah. doing it. <laughs> so true. It's, it's a big it's deal. A, like it's a big deal. You get your first client. You're like, wow. Okay. Like somebody is going to pay us for something that we created that we built as entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's a yeah. special, special emotional moment. Without question. And you never always forget those people, right? They, they take a bet on you early. Um, so shout out to Buyerbridge. So thank you guys, really appreciate it. I'll always forget you, remember you guys. <laughs> nice shout out right there. So now you got your first customer win. When was that? Was that in the summer of 2020? When was that? Uh, no, that was, it was like in the fall of 2019. So just as we got accepted into Techstars, oh, it's like some of those things were starting to kind of come to fruition. It was like, hey, people are willing to pay us for this. That's pretty cool. Techstars <laughs> accepted us. So that's also cool. We would probably try this thing out. It's a lot better when you have a pitch deck and some revenue and paying customers, absolutely. right? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Even a little bit is something. <laughs> nobody, nobody else was doing this. I mean, Salesforce, for example, I don't know. I mean, the HubSpot, I don't know, name it. I mean, nobody, yeah. nobody had a, a, a tool like this. I was as perplexed as, as you are right now. I just, you know, it seems like such a green space, hmm. uh, you know, a big need there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, is the goal to uh, have Salesforce tap you on the shoulder at some point and write you a big check? Is that the, is that the plan? I, I think so. So Salesforce, if you're listening right now, let's, let's, go, let's get in touch here. <laughs> but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I see there's a number of acquisition possibilities for us that would make a lot of sense. Um, but really I'm just focused on a serving our customers right now and having a lot of fun doing it. Like I, I love what I'm doing right now. And as long as we stay focused on that, the, the good outcomes will, will all fall in place. What's your revenue target for 2021? Can you share? Yeah, certainly. We're going to hit a million ARR this year. All right. All right. Very yeah. good. You get, yeah, that'll be a major accomplishment. Certainly. Yep. How do you separate duties? So your partner leads everything tech and software and developing. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's all that. And you're the sales and marketing guy. Is that yep. a relationship guy? Okay. Yeah. That, now, now sometimes uh, software developers, they aren't great during cash raise meetings, you know, because <laughs> <some, you> know. <laughs> that could certainly be the case. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm okay, fortunate I mean, though. Uh, okay. That's not the case for me. 
is my co-founder Jack on the technical side of things. He is equally as charismatic as I am. And oh, oh really? Yes, very much so. He is he is great on customer calls and investor oh. calls. Okay. I bring him in as much as I can. Okay, very good. You know, you guys got to, I mean, this is so important for the listeners. If you're going to have a co-founder, make damn sure that they have opposite skills, you know, from you. Like you got to balance each other out. I mean, especially if you're starting a tech company, if you've got a one co-founder who can sell and the other one who can write code and I don't know, maybe another one that's finance or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. wow, you got it. You got a You got a nice team right there just to start. Absolutely. How many employees? <clears throat> so right now we are a team of eight, including us as founders. So six employees. Um, and that should increase pretty substantially here in the next couple months. All the other businesses you started or played around with, this will be, this is, this is the furthest you've gotten, right? With the six oh, without employees. Question. And, yeah. Okay. Without question. And, and you've raised what a million, million and a half or something like that. Yeah. We raised 1.6 million, uh, back in October. Let me ask you a really important question here. I don't know if you want to share it, but are you and your buddy, are you guys together? If you add your units together, are you guys still in control? We are. Yep. That's important. Okay, great. So, so if you, if you quote vote together, you're still in charge of the business. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very good. Good for you, my man. Good for you. Good good for you. We're we're still early, right? You got to maintain control as long as you can, but you know, I will say, fortunately, it's not really, even if we, you know, give up control, I really, our board is great and we really see eye to eye on the direction. So I'm not really too worried about, you know, power dynamics as we move forward, which is also important. So keep control, but also choose your board correctly and choose your investors. It's equally as important as your co-founder. You got that right. Um, Now this money you just raised, uh, that round you just closed, Mm -hmm. some of these investors, quite frankly, are still pretty new relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you have an asshole in that group, you don't really know yet, but you'll, you'll find out pretty soon. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. Well, I tell you, when someone gives you a million bucks, they want to meet with you frequently. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I want to check up on you and see how things are going here. And it's all gone well so far. So Uh, yeah, that is, I'm so glad you mentioned that, you know, just keeping it real, keeping it real here for the, for the, for the podcast (laughs) listeners. Let me just tell you guys something right now. If you're listening to this show, yeah, you take a million dollars from somebody, you're going to get phone calls, okay? Oh, yeah. And they're going to want to know, like, hey, man, where are we at? Well, what's 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 happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the good ones will ask you the tough questions, right? That's because, right. You know, that's, that's what you exactly, want. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Your best board members will probably be the, the toughest because they'll make you spend time getting ready for getting ready for them, right? And mm-hmm. and answering tough questions. Now you don't you don't have to deal with asshole board members, but but you do have to deal with tough ones that will make you stronger, right? Certainly, certainly. Here's a good tip for the listeners. I you know the best board member I ever had. I ran a few companies before Riderflex. Mm-hmm. The best board member I ever had. I knew that when I prepared the board deck for the quarterly meeting, I would send him a copy early, and I'd send him a copy a couple of days before because I knew he would just chew the shit out of it. Right. And so, and then I would get him on the phone before the actual in-person board meeting and let him kind of hammer away at me and kind of get it out of a system. So then when we went to the board meeting, it was super smooth because he was already kind of done. That is a, that is an excellent tactic. So anyone listening, I did actually something identical where I had my first board meeting in December. Okay. And someone gave me some great advice just like that. And they said, Hey, draft up a document send it to everybody ahead of time. 
so you can kind of work through some of those kinks and make sure the meeting goes really smoothly. So it's a great piece of advice. So you just finished your first board meeting. Boy, I tell you what, uh, Larson, they're, they're, they're exhausting, right? I mean, just like when you, oh. when you were done with it, were you just like, okay, wow. All right. I'm just completely drained. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it was, uh, you know, being on, you know, on, on stage, if you will, or presenting, you know, really important things like that could be quite exhausting after the fact. So I took a few hours off afterwards. and relaxed. Oh, another great tip for entrepreneurs. If you have a board meeting, let's say it starts at nine on a Thursday or whatever, and it goes until, I don't know, three or two or whatever after lunch, just plan on not doing anything else the rest of the afternoon or evening yep. because you will be totally wiped out. Absolutely agree. <laughs> uh, uh, that's great experience for you. First board meeting. How many board members? Uh, right now we have, so we have three people that have voting seats, my Jack, uh, Jack and myself included. So just one voting board member. Okay. And then two observer seats who sit on oh. there as well, uh, who okay. wrote us bigger checks. How did you and Jack decide that you were going to be CEO versus him? You know, I, that's a really good question. I think it was just kind of, uh, you know, the division of labor just kind of made sense. I don't know, just because I am on the sales side of the equation. Uh, I'm used to presenting more. I'm used to, you know, I am a salesperson. Like that is a mm -hmm. lot of what this role is. Mm -hmm. Selling mm -hmm. investors, selling partnership stuff, selling customers. Um, so it was just kind of a fairly easy conversation. It wasn't really anything. It was just kind of like, yeah, I think you should be CEO. And I'm like, cool, I agree. Uh, and that was kind of it. Okay. Did you, uh, when you guys first started, I forgot to ask you this. Did you have 51 and he had 49 or you guys had 50 50 How'd you, always, how'd you equal. always equal always equal it was equal okay yeah. well, what happens what happens when you disagree then um where we are uh, very respectful in our disagreements so you know he and i well, we've been friends for t 11 years now so like we've had a number of disagreements along the way and mm -hmm. we've done a lot of really fun and crazy challenging things throughout in our friendship so we certainly right. have disagreements and we just kind of work through them just like anyone else would I know you've done some crazy things because you went to college together. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Well, and just like you mentioned, I, you know, I'm a skydiver, but I learned from my co-founder, Jack. So he's got four times as many jumps as I do. Really? Okay. Now when you say skydive, is this like I jump out of a plane and a parachute opens or this is those wing suits that I see these crazy guys doing? Uh, both actually. <laughs> both. So both. I didn't mean yeah. to like, I didn't mean bucket you and like crazy, but really, wow. You talk, I'm serious. Like you're on the, you're on the side of a cliff and you jump off and you like open your arms and little, little things come out. Yeah. So, well, my co-founder did that's base jumping off of a cliff. So my co-founder did the base jumping. I only go out of airplanes. So I'll take my wingsuit. I'll jump out of an airplane, go fly around the sky and use a parachute. Uh, and Jack and I do that together. And he used to base jump, but not so much anymore. Too dangerous. <laughs> you right I've, i mean i don't know i'm not an expert on it but yeah i've seen youtube videos of those guys doing that thinking holy crap that's Nuts. like uh that's pretty scary shit right there uh, okay so is that a is that a that must be a big time adrenaline rush right it must be just oh, yeah. is it okay oh yeah. Uh, and, yeah and you've done like what two three hundred jumps yeah i've done about 350 skydives uh over about nine years or eight years or so now are you addicted to it is it like a rush is it almost like a drug a little bit Certainly. Yeah. Well, to me, it's, you know, it's less of the adrenaline now and because life is really challenging now with a lot of things going on, it, it clears <laughs> right. my mind. It actually clears my mind. I don't focus on work. It's a break. That's very genuine and true, which is nice. Okay. Boom. Right there. We're going to pause for the listeners again, right here is another great tip. Okay. So, so Larson is telling you that skydiving is his release, right? It's like he, he, 
almost has to take his mind off of work because I got to focus. I got to make sure I get my shit packed right so I don't mm -hmm. die. I yep. got. I'm getting on this plane. I got to meet Johnny. He's gonna fly me up there at this time. You're like, you got to focus on all this stuff, right? Yeah. And it's a release for you. Mm -hmm. Not only uh, it, it's a release from work, and it and it's plus it, it plus it's just the cool factor of the adrenaline and all this stuff mm -hmm. we talked about. Yeah. You got it. You really need something. If you're an entrepreneur, you, you, if you own a business and you're in startup, like you could work 24 seven, if you wanted to, you could work all the time. It's oh, never, yes. you're never really done. Right. There's no done. My wife always asks me, are you done for the day? I'm like, well, I'm never done, but I guess I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, uh, but my point was going to be, uh, so I'm the same, right? So my hobby is, is uh, solo camping. Uh, nice. that I do in Colorado. Same thing. I got to prepare my gear. I got to prepare my route. I got to make sure I find the spot I want off road in the wilderness away from everybody. And all this takes energy and minutes in, in, in my head to get ready for it. Same thing. It's a total release for me. So for the listeners, mm -hmm. I don't care what your hobby is, whatever it is, you need something, right? You got to oh, have certainly. Something. And to double down on that, like it is so easy to work nonstop. Like it is so easy. Anyone who has started anything, like you just get drawn and sucked into this work bubble that you could go seven days a week. And, but it's so important to get that release, whether it's working out, doing some yoga, going camping, jumping out of airplanes, like a crazy person, whatever you want to do. Uh, you got to have that release there. Totally agree. You can go 24 seven, especially because usually it's a passion. Most people that start a business, they're, they're, there's some sort of passion connected to it. And the other thing is you got, you got everything on the line. I mean, your chips are all in baby. I mean, you mm -hmm. got to, you could just, now that is also difficult, right? Larson, have you found that? You're like, okay, I just took a million dollars from people and it's Saturday afternoon. And I'm like hanging out with my girlfriend and we're not, I'm not really working. And I, I feel like, Oh my God, I, I got to, I, I feel almost guilty sometimes. Yeah. Does that happen to you? Oh yeah. All the time. Like, and I think that's probably the, you know, what I've, what my focus is now is how do I be more black and white, more polar. So like mm. if I'm off, I shut off my computer, I shut off my notifications, my phone, and I'm, Good. I'm here and I'm present because Good. it has to be one or the other. If I'm trying to work and pay attention to my girlfriend or anything like that, it just, it doesn't work well. And you're given half attention to both. So it's got to be black or white really in my, in my world. Very good. Good for you. Now, um, you guys are paying yourself now because you have cash in the bank. So you're actually taking a salary, probably still yep. small or probably still, it's not a huge salary, I'm guessing. Yep, that's true. Yeah, it's small, but it, it does get us through the day. Yeah. You can't, you can't take early cash from investors and then like pay yourself a giant salary. salary. You'll be like, <laughs> hey man, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, what are yeah, you doing? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Right, like you can't, yeah. Okay, so you put, but you're, so your girlfriend, she got a girlfriend. You just told me you got a girlfriend. All right, what yeah. is she, what's her, what's her story? What's she do? Yeah, so I actually met, uh, my girlfriend's name is Molly and I've actually met her at BirdEye. So oh, at okay. my first software company, uh, I trained her as an SDR and then she very quickly surpassed me. I don't know how that happened, but she's a great trainer, I guess. But, um, and, you know, we were just friends for a couple of years and then uh, we've been together for just about three years now. Now that's such, that's a touchy subject right there. Somebody you work with, especially somebody that you're training and you kind of quote over a little bit and then you're like, mm -hmm. okay, how do I like, I got to make, I want to make a pass at her, but I don't want to like break yeah. any HR, break any HR rules. Ooh, man, that's, that's a, it's, that's thin ice. Yeah. Well, fortunately we waited. So she left the company 
and that's when we started to date. So it oh, we okay. waited a little while. So no HR problems. So Bert, I don't worry there. Don't worry about it. It's all good. As soon as she quit, we were like, hey, uh, now that you don't work there anymore, listen, I've had this, you know, crush on you for like the last six months. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> uh very very cool uh what does she do what's uh, what's does she still work there uh not at bird uh, i know I mean, she, yeah okay yeah she works in software sales though now uh, okay. she works at a company called iterable in their enterprise uh, sector okay all right good for you all right, all right now now does she uh, think it's cool that you're in startup does she think it's dangerous or what's her thoughts on it i think she knows me and she knows that this is what i'm supposed to do and i have to do like I'm as well. I've been wanting this for so long, and I think she's she wants to be an entrepreneur herself, so she's got some risk tolerance there too. Oh, and oh. Uh, yeah, so it, it's okay in our house. <laughs> uh, if she wants to be an entrepreneur, how about she? Why don't she join the company? Or you want to you want to like have a little separation there? Oh, she's one of the best salespeople I know, but she won't take the offer. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. By the way, what do you what do your folks think of what you're doing? You know, I, I think that. Uh, well, my parents were actually the ones that tried to convince me to start the scribing business when I was 21. Okay. So it was their idea. So they, right. I think, have helped to kind of spark this entrepreneurial bug. And then, you know, you can't really go back on it now and be like, hey, this right. is probably a bad idea. Right. Um, right. And I just haven't stopped. So I think they're excited for me and they're proud and really happy about what I'm doing. Uh, good for you, man. Uh, well, hey, congratulations on where, you, you know, how far you've gotten it, you know already i mean geez you know you, you got some customers you got a you got a product that's out there that mm -hmm. uh that works people yep. are people are buying it yep. investors are giving you cash mm -hmm. you're, you're able to pay you the bills you're living yeah. you're, you're still able to go skydiving a little bit i know life is good life is real good and now and now you can actually take your girlfriend out to dinner in colorado a little bit because restaurants right. are kind of starting to free up exactly. a little bit absolutely yeah it's a happy time by the way wasn't it great i don't know you know my wife and i uh we go out to eat all the time or at least we did before covid right one of our favorite things to do is like meet for happy hour or go out to eat yeah when the restaurant started opening back up i i immediately like was like hey we're going and even if it, even if it's like 20 percent open like we were like first person in line right yeah <laughs> it's it's really nice to see that kind of opening back up again it feels like it's been forever so awesome isn't it yeah absolutely uh, listen congratulations uh larson on everything uh for the listeners again demoflow.io uh you can also uh look larson up on linkedin and check him out there and ping him connect with him mm -hmm. uh i'm sure he would take any phone calls uh from people that want to use his product or certainly. invest certainly yeah are you gonna are you gonna is there another round coming or you're waiting on that as far as okay yeah, I think, you know, we have some pretty big news coming up in like the next 30 to 60 days or so. And so I think there could be some funding uh, potentially in the near term, but certainly towards the end of this year. Uh, I imagine that will probably be, you know, raising another round here towards the end of this year. Okay, last question. If you could um, put your core purpose in life into a sentence, what would that sound like? Hmm... Oh, my core purpose into a sentence. Um, well, what I hope that this journey that I'm on and I can help other people to inspire other people, I don't know if this is in a sentence, but like that it's possible that we set this 10 year goal and that we worked at it and grinded for 10 years and we're here 
like we got to the spot. This is possible. If you have a vision of what you want to do, you can go get it. You just have to put in the daily work and make it all happen. So I hope to embody that. And that like, wow, like it really sought out 10 years ago and made it happen. So if there's anything I want to inspire and embody that kind of uh, that trait there, I'd say. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Larson, for being on the RiderFlex podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you having me. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.